again, the whole idea behind saint is um, saint or sinner. Uh, and I think we have uh-huh. a saint and a sinner inside of each and every one of us. Um, I'm a saint, buddy. There's yeah, no well, sinning going on yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Speak for yourself. Well, maybe you go to the restaurant. <laughs> uh, you come to the bar and it's, it's a sinful experience, the cocktail. So again, um, I think... Uh, Meaning. So the meaning of life is apparently to give life meaning. At least this is the view of Adam Byers, partner of Grid Worldwide, a South African design agency that has blazed the trail to the world stage and to international acclaim. Grid are responsible for the largest and most well-known branding and design projects ever to have manifested on the African continent and have worked with brands like MTN, ABSA, F&B, Michelin, Qatar Tourism, Liberty, R&B, KFC, Louvre, Abu Dhabi, and many, many others. Grid believes that the world doesn't need another brand, but instead the world needs brands that mean something. It is this philosophy that has propelled them to the Hall of Fame, both locally and abroad. So how do you build a world-class brand that means something on a world stage? To get the answers we need, I speak to Adam Byers, live inside one of their most recent design projects, the Saint Restaurant in Sanson, Johannesburg. So without further ado, Let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another cracking installment of the Map Round Show. If you are watching this live, um, you will have noticed <laughs> that we're not in the studio today. We're in fact uh, here in Saints Restaurant in uh, Saints and Joburg CBD with none other than the man, the legend, Adam. I say about legend, but uh, <laughs> we'll take it. Adam, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, thank you. It's actually an honour. When I got the invite, uh, I, I was very, uh, I was very honoured to to be invited to the show. Were you Big invited, fan. or did you kind of I, shop around? Well, I don't sure. know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Sasha gave them some money. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, but thank Sa- you. Thank Sasha's you. awesome. Be, uh, well, look, um, obviously we go back a few years, yeah. and um, it's been really, really amazing, like to see what uh, Grid specifically is doing on a world stage, let alone, uh, you know, what's happening what you guys are doing in the local market. So for those of you who've been living in a, a tree somewhere in the Amazon um, and you don't know who Grid is, <laughs> why don't you give us the headline? Who is Grid? What are you guys all about? Uh, well, listen, I think first and foremost, Grid is a proudly South African agency. Um, we've been very fortunate. We, we had an ambition four years ago to go global. And I think if you said, well, how do you position yourselves now? It's not a case of we're a South African agency who does work um, internationally on the back end of other clients. I think we're proudly South African agency that is um, that has global ambitions. And, you know, we've landed some really good global clients. So that means, um, you know, Middle East has been good to us. Uh, we've rebranded Michelin out of Paris. Uh, obviously, on the back end of TBWNet, Network, we've been able to to quite quickly accelerate our footprint uh, and our global capabilities. So, yeah, proudly South African with uh, with global ambitions and global proof points. Thirteen yeah. years later, which, by the way, is a very rare thing. Yeah, you know, again, I think you know to package. Uh, I think a big for me personally, not speaking on behalf of the business, but if you take a Kabylie like Adrian Gore, you take Discovery again. Mm. You know, such a great South African story uh, that that has imported great brands overseas and a great organization, a great philosophy, and a great product. So, why are we here? As in, why are we at Saints? So, I guess the kind of premise here is about design, right? So, I mean, how? I mean, obviously, you guys have built an incredible. Uh, business off this whole concept of design and I think yeah. more recently I've seen things 
um, around this idea of or category to, that you're cr- trying to kind of create and own, which is about yeah. investment creative. Yeah. What is that all about? Look, I think let me start first with design. So design, I think, is is a personal it's a personal love and passion for Nathan. You know, he's founder of the business. Um, and when he founded the business, uh, he found it on the back end of being a design, a unique boutique design uh, agency. At, at the time, 13 years ago, there wasn't really anyone that could claim that. Mm. Um, you know, Nathan, he, he loves to travel. So I think he's, he's got a lot of his inspiration from traveling and from what he's seen. I think, that, I think everything around us is designed in some shape or form. Um, what we've done very successfully is we've owned this concept of design um, and then we've used that to kind of find what's the meaning behind design. You know, again, I think the bigger challenge that we've got is you can buy a logo online for a dollar, via an app for three dollars, if you're getting ripped off for ten dollars. So um, for us, it's not just, it's not the outcome of an identity. It's, it's finding the soul, finding the meaning of why something exists. And then how do you package that from a creative point of view? So again, uh, you know, we're sitting in Saint. It's, it's a great example for us of an ambition and a vision by Gary and Irene and David to say, listen, we want to create an Italian flair, an Italian restaurant with a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are just these amazing um, little surprises and delights throughout the whole saint experience. So, and those are all being design informed, design led, um, and again, you know, capturing capturing the essence of something. Mm. So again, if you if you look at saint as an example, um, it's the entire experience from when you first experience through an online banner right through to when you're welcomed at the at the entrance to the bar itself to the amazing hologram behind us. And I think it's always, you know, Griddle always prided itself on being a little provocative, a little edgy, uh, a little sexy at times. But more importantly, you know, we like that. We like, I'd, I'd say controversial. We like to play in a little bit of a controversial space um, because I think it's also inherent as us as partners in the business. Um, I don't think any of us are traditional businessmen. You know, we're hustlers. We're businessmen. Um, and, and we're entrepreneurs first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Well, that, uh, that whole idea of hustle and being a little bit provocative is almost a, a prerequisite to success today. You know, to your point, you know, if you're, if you're a commodity in any way, shape or form, like you don't really have a business or not for very long. And so what I really love about, you know, I mean, let's just talk about some examples that people might or may not know about. So there's the slow lounge, which you did years ago. You've done Marvel. I believe the guys you own Marvel also own Saints. Own Saints, yes. Yes. What other um, well-known uh, yeah, examples can you share? Uh, probably slow, like we said, they was just disrupting the category around um, airport lounges. They've always been. They're actually an expense to an airline. Mm. They're not. They're not a profit center. They don't generate cash, and we literally flipped that concept on a head on its head with uh, slow. Um, Marble, as you've mentioned, uh, was the first initiative. Thinking, thinking today's times, who can go and invest in a restaurant that? Sits seats 250 people. Uh, that's a big investment. So again, you needed something meaningful that you were from a value proposition, from a positioning, uh, from an experience that you were going to give the market, especially in South Africa. You know, we, you're looking at a stake of three, four hundred rand, um, where you can always get something cheaper. But it, it, it found its market. It's been hugely successful. And an extension of that was Saint, um, in that the experience is everything. 
Um, I think what I've enjoyed about both restaurants is the fact that I'm a little older. So for me to attend nightclubs is not my thing anymore. But when I get a marble or saint experience, it's a destination. Mm. Get you early, enjoy the pre-drinks, have an incredible dinner, and you know then experience the bar afterwards and you know socialize and do my thing. So um, the other probably interesting one for us, which was an investment by the partners of Grid, uh, was Antiest, which was in Bramfontein when Bramfontein, you know, was going through. It's boom, and we wanted to create the intention behind Antiest was just to break the convention of it wasn't a bar, it wasn't a restaurant, it was a space that people could just uh, congregate at, whether it was on weekends, whether mm. it was during the week. Um, I think the weekends turned it into a bar because it was hugely successful. But was what was interesting about the concept of Antiest, it was a philosophy in itself. Um, you know, challenging the status quo, uh, learn to unlearn. Um, and then the other big thing is that there was no commercial brands in the in the bar itself. Really? It was it was built around this idea of craft gins, craft whiskies, um, and people again gravitated towards that. There was a there was an interesting market. Um, and it became, for me, a, a real hub in Bramfontein. It became a bit of a pulse mm. aligned with uh, neighbor goods, which just had such a diverse community, diverse mm. bunch of youngsters, old and young, that are going there to experience this, this energy of inner city. I love that. And yeah. it was gritty. Yeah, I love, I love this whole idea of experience. You know, like custom experience is such a big buzzword. Yeah. You know, and to be, and, you know, and the tr- traditionally, you know, Although CX kind of applies to the end-to-end customer journey, oftentimes it's misunderstood. Um, and at least what I love about what you guys have done in terms of creating your own category is this whole idea, as you touched on earlier, about make it mean something. Yeah. You know, um, and really finding the underlying philosophy and, I don't know, what's the DNA of this idea? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean? you know again, maybe something I should have said earlier. You know, for me personally, I always challenge my the agency and I challenge the team. You get people that look at design and you get people that look through design. And for many years, you know, we were a traditional design agency. But I think, you know, again, if we'd remained that, I think we would have been irrelevant and redundant as a, as a business, as, as an entity, um, because of the way the, the world has evolved and, and the use of apps and all that. But when we started to look through design, it meant that we actually really had to consider this customer experience. We had to consider every single touch point. So, you know, a big differentiator for us now is that people are saying, but listen, you know, you guys are doing FNB, uh, above the line campaigns you're doing um you know you're playing in a traditional space yeah we from a channel point of view i agree we're playing in a traditional space but going back to how do you how do you express the dna the philosophy of an organization at every possible touch point whether it's at the branch whether it's at the bar whether it's uh, in a boardroom whether it's uh, through card design credit card design whether it's through a um, retail um, mobile store you know you you need to bring that philosophy and dna to life and i mm-hmm. think that's where grid has been really really good is that we don't see one size fits all I think we're our own worst enemy is that we design until our fingers bleed in that we design specifically for that touch point. You know, and again, slow is a great representation mm. of everything is considered in that, um, in that space. Uh, everything is thought through and everything just ties back to the concept of slow. Yeah. By the way, one massive example we haven't touched on is the Absa rebrand. Yes. So you guys are intimately involved in that, yeah. right? Yeah. 
So again, it was a it was an interesting project in that there was, you know, where APSA and Barclays were at from a from a uh, corporate point of view had. You know, it had a huge amount. There were there were many people that were watching what this what the next move was going to be, and I think for us, you know, when we when we were working on Absa, we had we went through the design uh, the rebrand process. Um, Obviously, as we launched, everyone became a pretty credible designer and had a lot to say about the actual logo itself. Hashtag um, open serve, hashtag just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. But I think that guy. <laughs> but I think what is important was, again, how did we, you know, for us it was how do you create something magical that 40,000 employees can feel like they're a part of? How did mm. they own that? And I think, you know, when we, um, when I say we started to look through design, um, a big, a big asset to our business was when we got, um, Yatish Nasi on board as chief experiential officer. And what he really did for us was he allowed us to look at things in a very different perspective. Um, and when we threw out, listen, how do you launch probably one of South Africa's oldest trusted banks. How do you rebrand it, relaunch it in the 21st century? Um, the drone show was just a, it was an incredible opportunity. Mm. Um, what, again, what was interesting, the drone show wasn't something we wouldn't, we would have ordinarily stumbled upon. It came through our insights department. It came through our insights team that seen what was done at Sochi. And I think for us, the other thing that's starting to underpin creating philosophy and meaning behind brands is what insights are they grounded in you know what 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 triggers certain people's responses to things or the way people are behaving about something and and that whole uh, drone show was very much around you know how do we give some how do we give a bank that's been around for many years that then got taken over by the likes of a barclay that wants to now claim claim its south africanness that's african Nasty back. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you give them something memorable? And a drone show was an Africa first. Mm. So Africanacity and this drone show. So the drone show, from my understanding, it was how many drones were there? Like three hundred. Three hundred yeah. drones. Okay. So uh, the thing, all all I noticed was there was just this massive like noise. That there was like there was no like literally in every other single sector. There was no other communication that was basically visible. It was like a complete nationwide takeover, as you say, for this rebranding of ABSA, but more importantly, an idea behind it, right? So that idea was Africanacity. How did you guys land on that? And then more broadly, can you explain the importance of having an underlying category thought behind a brand? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers.
Look, I think um, the journey with Africanacity, and I have to, again, be, be completely honest, is that Grid is not, was never, the, we, we weren't the curators of Africanacity. Oh, was so it draft? It was draft FCP. Okay. But I think, again, what was quite important about um, the rebrand was it was never just Grid and the client. There were a number of stakeholders involved. And I think for any entrepreneur, for any agency, for any uh, small business or big business alike, I think the world is no longer just revolve around you. I think you have to be open to collaborating, whether you like it or not. Mm. You know, Matt, how competitive the agency space is. Um, and I think, you know, with, with, with David Wingfield and his team that we're leading the, the rebrand, um, they did really well in, in, in navigating how all their agencies work together. So mm. draft were the, the guardians of Africanacity. But again, in the absence of having any underlying positioning, uh, it would, would have just been another rebrand. It would have just, I think, been another drone show uh, or the first drone show, but without re any real context. Yeah, yeah. But... I think, you know, looking back at Slow, looking back at Saints, et cetera, I mean, there's still an idea behind it, right? That's expressed through design, yeah. visually, et cetera. Let's use Saints as an example. So behind us, we've got this um, pretty insane backdrop bar story with projections on it. And it's like a, well, I don't even know. You you explain what yeah, this is. Yeah. So, <laughs> so again, um, you know, Saint was, it was, it was quite exciting because we knew what our capabilities were and what we could deliver on Marvel. And when um, Gary, Irene, and David came to us about Saint, it was like, listen, guys, we got, we got to take it to the next level. Now, how do you take it to the next level? And I think the, for us, it, it's not aesthetically how you take it to the next level. Mm. It's how do you bring a philosophy and a meaning to life. And that's where you, for us, that you take, you use design and you use brand to take it to the next level. So, Again, the whole idea behind saint is um, saint or sinner. Uh, and I think we have uh -huh. a saint and a sinner inside of each and every one of us. Um, I'm a saint, buddy. There's yeah, no well, sinning going on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Speak for yourself. Well, maybe you go to the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you come to the bar and it's, it's a sinful experience, the cocktail. So again, um, I think, uh, I think the, the saint versus sinner idea is, um, you know, we, we have this two side to us and, uh, you know, the, it was, how did you just bring that to life? And for us, the, the saint as a space became the canvas. That mm. was the first and foremost, the really big thing for us. Um, and then how do you just activate? And that's why I said, I used the word surprise and delight because it's just, did I see that or didn't I really see that? Or, you know, everyone, and I think what's interesting about brands and design today is everyone has their own interpretation of it. Mm. What I love about creativity, uh, but I also, it's what I hate about it, is it's subjective. Um, and some people get it and some people don't get it. Um, and, and I just love the, the controversy and the juxtaposition in that because, um, you know, you, you, you can, some people really appreciate it whilst others are not really, they're not, they're not honed to look around what's, what's around them and what meaning they can take from something. Yeah. In the uh, tech space that, um, digital kung fu plays in, one of the interesting observations, by the way, coming back from London Tech Week uh, a couple of weeks ago, to your earlier points about collaboration, like in, in the tech sector, especially in Europe, everyone's talking to everyone. It's like, hey, come check out my AI product. You know, come look up my skirts and let's share and, and you know, yeah, collaborate. Yeah. And there's very much a sense of community. Yeah. I don't find that that's necessarily true here. It's like you don't want to talk to your competitors here. Um, and then also in the tech space, that's that's really come or become really apparent is that we've overvalued technology and we've undervalued creativity. Mm. 
And it seems to me that the, the, the kind of baton sits firmly with the creative community. So obviously you're one of the leaders here, as we've discussed. Yeah. Let's talk about creativity. You know, what does it mean to be creative today? Looking, I mean, we'll get into Qatar and all the other, you know, international brands that you work with, but what, looking globally, what does it mean to be creative today? Why does Look, it matter? I think, you know, again, if you take how we built our business and probably the, for me, the success behind the business besides, and I've, it's something that we've debated, we will always, at the heart of what we do is what we call creative excellence. You know, it, it, it's about using creativity to literally give the world more meaning and purpose, but also just, fuck man, make it more beautiful. Mm. You know, like I, I read an amazing quote the other day where just your life should be your own masterpiece. You know, and we have amazing things now with Instagram and Twitter that can show how perfect and beautiful our life so is. So perfect. Um, and, but I, I, I think I, you know, I've always taken that to heart. I think, you know, like, and, and we've, we've applied that same philosophy where I think you've heard it, Matt, where we've got, you know, make, make a piece of content informative, make it inspiring, um, make it educational, uh, but most of all, make it beautiful. Mm. You know, spend some time on the craft and the design and the, and the thought behind it. So, but to get back to the point on creativity, what I've, what I've, What's made our business successful is we've never necessarily looked in category to propel ourselves forward. One of the bigger benchmarks for us has been the tech industry. Um, it's been the, the startup category, and the reason why we've looked at it is because um, it's, it's totally unconventional from a culture point of view, from a value proposition point of view, from a commercial point of view, from a revenue model point of view. Um, and and it, it almost, it was born in the 21st century, so it's, it's, it's grown up in this age, and that means it doesn't have this legacy behind it. So we've adopted a lot of those principles and models in our agency itself. We've looked at different remuneration models. Um, what does innovation mean and how does innovation um, collide with design? Excuse me, how does it intersect with creativity? Um, a lot of the industry is nervous around the impact of tech startups or the tech industry and technology itself we've always embraced it i think there's i think that we're at infant stages of embracing technology to be honest um uh, in terms of enabling our creativity to a whole nother level you know there are some really amazing stuff uh that's coming out of can where you know design agencies creative agencies have embraced technology and doing incredible innovations um that benefit the end user that benefit the consumer um you know dubai did a great um piece of design on a washing powder um with uh, a an innovative way of using the washing powder when you buy a garment. So you buy the garment and you literally drop this washing powder sachet straight in. And it's just a very, it's a simple thing. It's not, mm. it wasn't, it, it's not beautiful, but it's just a really clever way of bringing technology, design, and creativity uh, to benefit the consumer. That's a big thing for me. Creativity, I think it still will be the one thing that the world... Um, will continue to embrace because uh, you know we are the, we are the originators of creativity there's a big debate between creativity and AI um, will the two ever marry will they live in harmony uh, will they continue to fight for the same space uh, you know we have our view I think creativity will always sit with us and we'll use AI to enhance it to take it mm. make it exponential take it further yeah. So I think, you know, what's interesting about what you said is kind of our, our category that we, 
evangelizing is the whole idea of storytelling technologies. There's a missing acronym there. So storytelling for technology, meaning that, you know, tech companies are great at tech, not so great at getting their propositions across and getting the right message in front of the right prospects, etc. Um, and so I, I agree with you. I think you can't ignore technology. It's like every business has to be technology enabled. One, two, probably needs to be a data and AI business at some point in the near yeah. future. Yeah. In order to remain relevant. So then yes, then you say to yourself, okay, well then what is the role of tech, of creativity as it relates to that context? And that's the missing piece because if take storytelling, for instance, it's like if you, if you know how to tell a story, it's formulaic. There's many formulas that are available to that. Equally in your case, I suppose that there's a process that you guys follow as it relates to the delivery of an idea, whether it's saints or, you know, um, uh, Marble or Slow Lounge or Michelin or Qatar, etc. Yeah, yeah. Can you walk us through your creative process? Just headline. How does it? How do you guys go from you know from zero for or basically I suppose from brief to here's your final product? Yeah. So you know the process used to be a well I say used to be we've always grounded it in a very simple what we call three eyes no different to many people which is insight idea and um, and implementation so. But I think what we have started to do is when you start to saying, listen, we want to, you know, David Ogilvy, he, he created the Ogilvy way. TBWA has created this, this tool that has become their philosophy in terms of disruption. For Grid, our North Star is about, you know, creating meaning in everything that we do. And hence why we framed it as the make it mean something company. But what underpins this is that statement you said in the beginning of around what is investment creative. So investment creative um, is creating um, a value through meaning. Now, if you then replayed that back and said, well, how does that work through the process? Um, the first and foremost is for us to get to understand the soul. If it's Qatar, understand the soul of this country. What's its essence? What is it, you know, where has it been to know where it needs to go? That's the first thing. Um, FNB, you know, what does FNB really want to be known for? What does it really want to stand for? So we need to succinctly capture that and, and distill that into a line, a word, or a statement. And it needs to be a bold statement. Second thing um, is the fact that we've integrated various creative disciplines into the ideation process. So I'm talking about 3D renderers. I'm talking about uh, developers. We're talking about traditional art directors and copywriters, designers. Um, we're talking about um, architects. We've now literally got most of those capabilities I've mentioned as part of our creative team and that then goes through this ideation process and the ideation process is a fucking rigorous <laughs> ball breaking um uh, intense one so you know nathan believes that we and it's rob schwartz in new york he says listen you know be soft on the people but be hard on the work and and that ideation process is very much that so you know, you can't take that process offensively because it, it's, it's rigorous. It has to be rigorous because mm. clients are giving, they're expecting you to derive value out of your creative process to mm. solve a business problem or a challenge or to, you know, create something memorable and magical. So the ideation process is quite integrated, multi-skilled and disciplined. Then what happens is how do you take a simple philosophy and idea and then execute that across multiple channels and that's why I said what does it look like in a physical space what it look like in a print magazine what would it look like in a train station what would it look like on a billboard what would it look like on a TV screen in an airport what would it look like a TV screen in an airplane 
You know, you need to ensure that you um, you can execute that idea across multiple platforms, and then um, you overlay what with the digital experience. What is the because you know digital allows you to be. Um, for me, it, it's the most exciting space because you add real dimension to to an idea, um, and you know it, it informs user experience, all these different things. But again, what is the real outtake? The fourth part for us that we've that we've introduced from a process point of view is what we call automation and scalability. Now that is for us where technology has had the biggest, most profound impact on our business. Is I've got a global brand like um, Destination Qatar. These guys are operating in, they've got 10 markets that they're operating in terms of um, actual offices, and they then execute a global campaign in 27 countries. The biggest challenge you're going to have with that is consistency, uh, from a, if it's a global positioning campaign, is consistency and execution of this brand. So that's where for us automation uh, plays a big role. We're now looking at developing our own technology that allows us to take a brand and execute it across multiple platforms, touch points, and it is perfectly executed. The second thing is the scalability overnight. So when you say a client says, listen, I've got 27 airports, uh, each airport has up from 5 to 12 touch points, um, 10 countries, each of those countries have got over 10 different out-of-home executions, including Times Square, uh, Canary Wharf. It's a complex job in itself. Now, Many years ago, we used to have a team that would execute each one. Now, you know, we get to a point where I think it's driven by human intelligence, human insight, and a, a technology that allows us to consistently execute it. And the client says, listen, I want it done in three weeks. Yeah, so again, yeah, and, and again, it's not something I think that we've perfected, but it's for us a big focal point around this, this automation and scalability overnight mm. is what makes the likes of Uber, uh, Airbnb is what made them very successful. They just mm. immediately could, 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 you know, penetrate every market, every corner of the earth. Yeah. So I've got an interesting question for you. So, you know, we're, we're a startup. I think we're always going to be one <laughs> regardless, like uh, regardless like of how big we're going to get. <laughs> I mean, it's just nuts what we, like, we just. I think that, but the startup is a mentality. The, but that's what, yeah. 100%. It's a mentality. And yeah. I, and I love the, the startup mentality. And I don't think anyone, if that's the way you've come from, never lose that because it keeps you hungry. Uh, it keeps you thinking. There's no level of complacency or mediocrity. There's no mm. room for to creep in it's funny because literally for me as the as the chief excitement officer yeah. <laughs> Mav loves that one <laughs> basically everybody loves that one um, it's not mine I stole it so <laughs> it's Robin Sharma isn't it yeah, yeah. No, it's Alan Reyes oh, okay, actually okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but anyway but I mean it's like every day I come to like 8am whenever I get to the office I like I sit down and I like I want to throw everything away and start again because it's Markets move, you know, if you're talking creativity, fuck, I mean, when does that start and when does that stop? Look, let me tell you, we you do know? the same thing. We're 13-year-old business. Uh, you know, I think at 13, you you can safely say you're becoming of age. You know, we the profits uh, have grown, the client base has grown, the team have grown, they've also evolved. But I think probably... A lot of our staff's biggest frustration is at times it feels like you're starting over. Mm. You're starting over from a process point of view. You're starting over from a philosophy point of view. You're starting over from a culture point of view. And I think probably culture is the one thing that's remained consistent. But our operating model, I always say to the guys, you know, it's, it's like an iPhone. If you don't reboot it, 
it becomes stale and it becomes old and you need to reboot your 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 company's operating model try try stay true to your philosophy your moonshot and your your culture because those are the things that I think will hold it together through good times and bad times mm. I love that idea I mean you got to upgrade your firmware right yeah. it's like yeah. a software update you yeah. run differently markets move Absolutely. clients want different things yeah. right yeah um, I want to come back to to culture in a second but going back to the whole startup uh, sort of context um, when does a startup engage with the likes of a company like grid when do you hand over your your story to a third party sure. and I'll tell you why I'm asked why I want to explore this with you so Larry Ellison Oracle man the founder yeah. okay so they're like a I don't even know like something like a 500 million rand uh, dollar company sorry they're a big fuck off monster right Larry Ellison still writes the ad copy for the New York Times ad today sure. when they were a startup they spent over half their revenue on advertising to remain competitive in that market. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but I mean, it's just fascinating. I don't know if you know of a guy called Rick Bennett. Yeah, he's called, yeah. the, the, he's called the, the ad man assassin or something like that. Worked with like Mark Benioff at Salesforce, Oracle, and many, many others. So in essence, it's the idea that you handing over your story to someone else. When do you do that and under what context? You know, Matt, I don't, have the, I don't have the exact answer. I can only tell you what we've experienced. So we've actually got one company. It's a Silicon Valley company um, that is a startup. It's an amazing product. Um, and we've, you know, we met them right before any, they had a name and they had an idea of what their product offering was going to be. And they've engaged us from the onset. Um, and we've actually... You know, the intent, well, we took a stake in the business as opposed to charging them the conventional oh, wow. fee offering. So, you know, again, and that, that translates us for us into this investment creative because it's actually something, it's a product offering that we firmly believe in. It's around the rehabilitation of um, being more preventative rehabilitation of knee operations, back issues, anything to do with joints. Um, and it's called Rombot. And it's just around this idea of uh, autonomous joint healing. So if you look after yourself and you have the right um, products, then you know, you're, you're in a better space to heal yourself. But more importantly, how is that driven by data and analytics? That's the differentiation. So it has this amazing, called a Rombit um, device that sits on each of these products, and that is feeding data. So if you've had a double uh, a knee, doesn't have to be a double knee uh, replacement, a knee operation, it literally, when you come out of that operation, you're at let's say 15 degrees motion. In order to drive again, you need to be at 90 degrees. So what this does is you're literally finding yourself going to a fucking therapist trying to rehabilitate yourself, and it could take a week, it could take three weeks, it could take three mm. months. My dad happened to have it, and he's 75, and it's taken him a year to get to 90 degrees. So mm. what this does is it, it instantaneously is feeding information on your progress through to a, an app that is then... Um, aggregating all of the data and then sharing this insight back with your doctor, with your physiotherapist, with your personal trainer. In real time. In real time. Incredible product. So uh, the business launches 1st of September. So to answer your question, they onboarded us from the onset. 
it has it like any relationship there's been a few challenges because they are a startup they're so responsive their business and their model is moving every single day when they're prospecting investors uh, the plant is out in in china every day something's happening and i think the biggest challenge we've got as an agency is keeping up with those demands yeah um then we've had other um you know other tech startups uh, approach us where they've basically got the fund series uh, a funding and they've gone through the process and say listen we've got a bit of money to create a brand ordinarily that's not where we'd want to enter it because i think a lot of the the hard yards and the thinking is done so now you're just executing mm. you know and for us if you go back to our philosophy of creating meaning we want to be there from the onset but um again the tech startup mentality is invest in what you need and not ordinarily in everything because it's cool and you know so ask yourself why why do you need these components whether it's the brand itself whether it's hiring the right talent or it's a website be very clear on what is your real focal point mm. yeah um so let's go culture right so 13 year old company i think culture for me is like everything like it's the whole game it's like with respect fuck fuck design fuck brand all that yeah. shit comes after it's yeah. about your people and um and making sure that you know you're all clear around what that north star is and working together to to make to get there faster basically yeah. Yeah. um you know i've obviously met and worked with a lot of the grid guys um what have you done to facilitate a high performance culture like the one clearly that exists at grid look i think first and foremost um you know finding the right people is the been the hardest thing um you know that's and at the end of the day our people are our commodity that's where our ip sits so that's the first thing the second thing is you know grid has never really attracted um a, a great uh, great talent we've actually always we've we've had very senior people come into the business but it's actually never worked really what we've done is we've nurtured talent from a very young age um and nathan you know he he was quite profound in that he always chose one youngster and made them a shareholder under 30 years old and he's groomed them so great example of that is paul hinch he's been with nathan for 15 years um nathan saw a great talent in him 15 years ago um gave him shares and Paul has now grown himself into be our our creative uh, design partner um you know he's done a similar thing now with Janil Kandasamy who's who's you know done he worked his way in the business to now be a um a a shareholder um and his contribution you know is invaluable so again i think it's you know, the first thing is i think give people accountability first and foremost establish with people what your intentions are that you are a high performance culture now some people like that some people don't like that and um, secondly high performance culture means that everybody has a role and a specific role to play in order to maintain being high performance so i always use a great analogy a gti takes six cylinders all right if one cylinder is not firing it's just a golf <laughs> um and and for it to maintain that performance of being a GTI it needs every person to play mm -hmm. a role similar to an F1 team I've got a uh, I've got one of my favorite talks which is from good to great is around the analogy of an F1 team a high, uh, the number one F1 team versus an agency model and there are a lot of similarities um but you know what's different I think on the the F1 team is they invest a huge amount of time in the engineering and they're constantly refining constantly tweaking constantly could we do it better could we be faster can we be sexier can we attract 
better uh, sponsors, more funding, and they, they just, they're constantly in that mode. So, and then again, who's the best driver to drive this car? Um, so we've, we've ad- again, looked out a category. It's been a big, um, for me, a big lighthouse in terms of what are the similarities. The other thing is an F1 team, I think a, a, um, a driving steering wheel itself has over 340 components. The design process can have a thousand components to it. The traffic process has, again, has so many different components. And when those are all working together, you have success. When they're not working together, I think you get good, you get okay, and I think you've got to establish what is it that you want to be and why. Mm. I'd love to uh, one day have the opportunity to see like an F1 team come to you and say, please redesign our steering wheel. <laughs> Look, first thing is can Make we it mean something. <laughs> Listen, we can we could probably reduce it in its size. But it's it's a complex business. I think our business our industry is as complex and I think where a lot of the complexity comes in it's people. Yeah. Our business is driven by people, mm. not processes, not uh systems, you know, uh platforms. Uh, people are complex in their own right. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, your fantastic PR lady over there who's eyeballing me every time. She gets nervous every time I speak. But but, uh, you're doing some cause work. So obviously we've just had our elections. Yeah, and I'd just really like to get into that. So, I mean, it's quite brave. To be fair, it's like when you're a startup to your earlier point, you know, you're a startup, you can go and do whatever the hell you want because you can and, you know, hey, I'll use that small, a couple of clients, big deal. But when you're dealing with like Qatar government and uh, is it airways or government, yeah, it's the government, Qatar, right? Uh, tourism. Tourism, tourism council, yeah. So, so, I mean, you're dealing with these massive brands. So, if you're going to take a stand about something that is in any way, shape or form political, that is provocative, to use the exact words that you, that you used, why... Are you doing this? I'm going to call it cause-driven creative or cause-related work. Um, and can you walk us through around the elections exactly what your kind of process and, and, and kind of intended outcome was? Yeah. So, so I think again, um, to answer the first question, why do we do it? You know, again, I think as a business, part of going back to our culture is we have this internal rallying cry called G in culture which is a hashtag, um, and it frames a lot of the, the activities and things that we do with our staff. And for me, GN Culture really is a platform for self-expression, uh, personal growth, and self-development. And what we mean by that is, I think as a business, if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything or nothing, first and foremost. So that's that's the starting point. The second thing is that talking specifically about that campaign, as South Africans, um, yeah, we have we expect our government and our leadership uh, in terms of the president to take us to the next level. But as a private sector and as a citizen of South Africa, we can't complain that it's their job and they're not doing it properly if we don't do anything about it. That's the second point. So for me, we, we embarked on this campaign. Uh, we hadn't originally set out to do it. So two of our, um, creatives in the, in, uh, Yanni Labaskachny, who's a creative director, and Lillian, who's a young, uh, talented writer recently at Grid, they came to us with this idea and said, listen, guys, you know, we, we're worried about the elections in that I'm not sure who we know we're going to vote for. Mm. You know, do you vote for the man? Um, or do you vote for the party? And those were two distinctly 
separate issues. So one, you're voting with your heart for voting for the man, and the second one, you're voting for the p- party probably uh, begrudgingly. So the guy said, listen, we just what we want to do is we need everyone in South Africa to vote, um, and we want to... Um, we want to encourage them to vote. So that was the starting point for the campaign. The second thing is they came to us, I think, quite nervously to say, listen, is this something you'd be interested in? And, and you know, we jumped at it. Mm. We jumped at it because a year ago when the country was really down uh, in terms of uh, our, our hope where Zuma was going, uh, was Ramaphosa going to uh, take over, um, there was just nothing there in the fuel tank for South Africans. South Africans thrive on, we thrive on unity, we thrive on success through sport, we thrive on success through entrepreneurship, and we, th- we, you know, we all love our country. So a year ago when we embarked on the Hope Joanna campaign, that was just to raise hope that there is hope. We've had a difficult past, but that is informed where we're going as a future. A year later, we went to election time. We needed to say something that encouraged people, and I think what was most important about it, the entire campaign was funded by GRID, um, and we were proud of that. So when we engaged a lot of the media, whether it was out of home, whether it was the media uh, print houses, newspapers, a lot of the out of home, you can ask, Sash turned us down. Really wanted nothing to do with it. Um, a lot of the print guys turned us down. Um, the citizen came, and then Sunday Times are like, "Guys, you can run that ad as long as you say that this was funded by Grid Worldwide," which we were very happy to do. Mm. So I think again, go back to my original point. We want to stand for something. We'll continue to be uh, to build our team in 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 being very vocal about our circumstance, about our leadership, because we have a right as the private sector to make things right, to create mm. the future we want for ourselves and our children. Well, let's talk about the future. Are you optimistic or are you a realist? You know, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why, because you know the, the rhetoric and the narrative, especially in like you know, the guys who listen to this show, it's like entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurs founders, you know, SME owners, there's uh, loads of C-suites, and then the general public. The sentiment's not fucking good, Right. Um, and I think, and I commend you massively for having the cojones to go and do what yeah. you did. Yeah. I think it was necessary. Um, but the sentiment's very, very bad to yeah. your point, you know, uh, around Cyril and leadership and, you know, what's going on in government and, you know, there's nothing's being done to stimulate SME growth, which is basically the bedrock of our yeah. economy. There was a scary stat, Adam, uh, that, uh, was shared with me by my wife, funnily enough. It was a Fin24 article that came out like two weeks ago. 50, the, the number of insolvencies and liquidations in the SME sector for or within the South African uh, economy has increased by 53% in the last 12 months. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that for me makes – that's the sort of thing that keeps me up at night. And of course, there are, there's always exceptions to that narrative. So our company being one, Blackbeard Technologies being another, there are obviously always exceptions. But on the whole, it's pretty damn miserable, right? Yeah. What are your – what would you like to say to those founders out there who are like, what the hell? You know, you know, first and foremost, I am optimistic. I think that South Africa has a level of resilience that somehow we get through things. I think, you know, and again, little things that I, that really uh, resonate with me. Um, 
are, you know, I come from a sporting family, so I find sport unifies us in such incredible ways. So the Proteas' dismal performance at the World Cup just couldn't have come at a worse time because we feel it as South Africans because, I, you know, if we were progressing into the semifinals, there's a level of excitement. There's a level of, you know, South Africans are overachievers in our own right. That's why we've always punched above our weight. So... Mm. That couldn't have come at a worse time, but luckily we got the World Cup rugby to to hopefully pin our hopes on. So let's see. But come on, boys, I'm, get I'm, in there. Yeah, I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, please watch out for the FNB Springboks campaign. It's oh, really? breaking soon. Is that coming soon? It's it's beautiful. Really? You know what? I personally, I think it's. Um, uh, one of the most meaningful campaigns that we have grid have done in a long, long time. Great. Um, so watch out for that. Super exciting. I think it launches seventh of July. Great. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously MTNs, their campaigns broke. So um, optimistic in the sense that I think as South Africans, we have a level of resilience. I think our biggest challenge is how deep are those tanks of resilience still? Mm. That's the big thing. The second thing is I'm a realist in that currently things are pretty tough. They, they really are. And we've seen it with um, the way clients are engaging us. And just be clear, it's not just locally things are tough. The world is tough at the moment. It's a it's a cutthroat place. Um, they just at times I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, there 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 are things that are happening that affect all of us. So it's not just South Africa that's feeling it. Um, but I think you know, in order to, in order to, if you're a uh, a startup, you're a founder, you're a an ambitious entrepreneur that has ambitions of opening your own business. I think when it becomes like this there needs to be a culture of discipline. And I've always go back to discipline for me personally. When things go awry, I, I've, I realize it goes awry because I'm not focused. I'm trying to do too much. Um, I, and now, even in our business, you know, we, we've got to instill this culture of discipline. And I think the best example of that, you would take a team like uh, the All Blacks. They built their performance on discipline. They built it on, on respect. They built it on a, a vision. So this is a time to consolidate. Uh, as an individual, you're going to have a lot of people looking at you saying, well, as the leader in the business, what are you going to do next? So you either show up on the day and tell them or fucking run and don't look back. You know, you choose what it is that you're going to be. So uh, the discipline then comes out in your ethic, your engagement of people, um, what you want people to take out, like you mentioned. Well, you know, you know, being clear on what your expectations are, what your North Star is, what your vision is. So, yeah, I think at the moment, don't lose hope. Um, but be very focused. Only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Mm. And I think as a country, that's where we very much are. Yeah. Let's take it one week at a time. Yeah. I think um, I, I'm going to add another quote into the, into the hatcher. So basically it's, um, you know, if you're not building a community, you're a commodity. Yeah. Uh, I love that fucking quote. Um, and, you know, the thing with, with entrepreneurship is that there is a community. If you feel like you're on your own, but you're not. It's like yeah. there's a design community. There's a storytelling community. There's a technology community. There's an SME community. Like reach out and ask for help. Yeah. It's like yeah. I think a lot of us as South Africans culturally, we're just too proud. Yeah. We don't want to ask for help. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Look, I think, and, and I must commend you, I think your show does that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, know, you know, Matt, so many times, even when I was in Qatar, um, you know, it was it was just moving your entire family, your entire being there. At times, it it got tough for us. So, 
and then your podcast would pop up and you'd have so again I think this this message that um, it's not just for startups it's not just for entrepreneurs your message is for everybody mm. uh, no matter where you are in the world and that's why when I say I was truly honored to say listen come on to the show because you've always had some great pearls of wisdom that have worked for me on numerous occasions amazing Quack. Yeah, that's so great to hear so, very much so. means a lot coming from you dude I mean yeah. I got huge respect for you Nathan and the team very there so. So. Um, so let's wrap this up why do you do what you do what gets you out of bed in the morning you know what? I, I, I invest in things that, uh, that firstly will challenge me as a, as a being. Um, I've always been very ambitious. Um, I, I, like I said, I keep using sports as an analogy in my own life. Um, you know, I came from a very sporty family. So what, what, what gets me up in the morning about this industry is it's so unpredictable. Today I'm talking to a tech startup out of Silicon Valley. Then I'm in a meeting with, you know, a, a banking client. Um, then we're having conversations with you. And I think what personally, I love creativity, but it's not the end all and be all for me personally. Um, I'm not a creative. I'm not a strategist. I'm a businessman that has an inherent belief in people's, um, what people can be. And that's why if you say to me, what do you think your real role at Grid is? I, I, I really try and look after the culture and I look after the people. Um, because that's where, for me, the magic lies. So for me, the people, my team get me out of bed. Um, my children are just incredible at how, you know, there is an, a level of innocence and naivety that I just have so much I love. You know, it just always keeps me on my toes. Um, you know, at Grid, we're prone to always wearing black. And my daughter the other day saw me wear a red coat. And she goes, oof, Dad, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and she's three years old. So they even pick up on our own behaviors. So, um, I wore black for you today, yeah, buddy. I see that. I see that. And yeah. I didn't. And look what you've done to me. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, most importantly, I love the fact that our what we do is so diverse. We're dealing with people we're dealing with clients we're dealing with the good times the bad times so i get out of bed every morning because i honestly believe that we can change the world one brand at a time i genuinely believe that and that is our mission and as ceo that's the path that i'll continue to uh, go forth on and um, you know we can spread our magic creativity is our superpower mm -hmm. and we're blessed with it adam bias thanks for being on the thank show you, my friend thank awesome you so stuff. much cool, cool. thank you Cheers, dude. thank you Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.